holiday shortened edition of the Beer Vana Show, broadcast almost live in Portland on X Ray FM and in Vancouver on KXRW, or available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I'm Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University, and with me, as always, is Jeff Allworth, author of several books, including the Beer Bible. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. How are things? So, things are good. Things. It's midsummer, and uh, just to explain the intro, we're both about to take off for little summer holiday. That's jobs. right. It's, it's our holiday. It's not your holiday, listener. It is our holiday. Yes, I was going to say, because it's not really the holidays, but uh, it means um, we're off traveling. So uh, I'm good. The weather is amazing these days, um, which I'll say very proudly because the rest of the country is currently in a hellish inferno. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, rest. Sorry, rest of the country. <laughs> we the we had a little. We had with one hot snap, which was you know n- no longer atypical, but mostly we've been having basic standard Portland weather, which is quite nice. High around it's eighty, actually, cool at night, very nice. Yeah, it's actually been a little cooler than normal. Uh, apparently, um, it's been it's been delightful, uh, warm enough to enjoy, and uh, not too hot to die which is right. for me that it's that nice little <laughs> Goldilocks zone. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have, and now it's less common, but we'll, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the summer. Yeah. And crazy weather everywhere. I'm off to go to Maine, my right. uh, now be- becoming annual trip off to the wilds of Maine. Uh, and uh, Maine seems to be surviving pretty well, but other parts of New England are, being hit by torrential downpours and then there's heat a little south and there's smoke from canada and yeah it's just a you know your typical yeah uh, hell, hell, hellscape post-apocalyptic climate change hellscape yeah i think uh vermont's a lake right now is what i'm seeing in the news and uh yeah it's yeah, kind of parts, bad. Parts, of, parts of new york but i'm going from one sort of goldilocks place to another goldilocks place as far as i can tell so let's keep our fingers crossed that i can just fly across the hellscape and uh, land in. <laughs> right. <laughs> land in mm-hmm. uh, I just, it's, it sucks for those in it. So I'm, I'm just being uh, frivolous. Uh, I'm being frivolous, but don't think I'm not uh, empathetic to those who are really suffering. I don't do well with heat and humidity. And Jeff, speaking yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, I'm headed. Into so, the tell us the, where you're going. <laughs> the, the beautiful weather. I'm headed off to uh, the Tulsa, Stillwater, Oklahoma region. Uh, where my friend Franz, my friend Franz Hofer, who uh, I don't know if anybody will remember this, but um, a couple years ago I was in, actually I think it was now four years ago I was in Austria and Franz showed me all around Vienna. We became friends, uh, and he has a homebrew club in uh, the Oklahoma region, and I I guess it's all close enough. I'm going to find out about this. I guess Stillwater and Tulsa. Are close by um so i'm doing an event there and i'm going to get see some oklahoma breweries and kind of get a sense of oklahoma a state i've never been to but which my family is from so that's interesting ah. uh, yeah back in the 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 olden days 100 years ago my my family immigrated to oregon from the sooner state so i'll okay don't think i, don't think uh, I knew that that's a it's new intro it's for like, me it's like 96 and 80 percent humidity so that's going to be good times by the way, I should mention off the 
outset that um, because we're both busy preparing for our trips, we're doing this via Zoom, so we're not actually uh, together, and that explains Jeff's terrible audio. Mine, I'm sure, is like crystal beautiful, clear. Um, I think my audio is uh, good. Is is it not good? Or maybe you just you have your terrible speaker. I'm, I'm just I'm just winding you up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I got my AirPods in, man. See, I'm I'm high tech. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, I was thinking because we did have a, a hot spell and that coincided with 4th of July. And so on the 4th of July, in order to beat the heat, uh, you and I and our um, lovely partners went to uh, a McMinimins Baghdad theater, watched the Indiana Jones movie and drank beer. Uh, and I mentioned this because we've mentioned the McMinimins in the past. They are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. Um, it's not entirely clear precisely when you should start marking time for them, but they decided that 40 years ago was the right moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for those who are local, you know, but for those who aren't, the McMinimans are uh, uh, started, what was it, 84 when the brew pub law changed? Is that right? 83, 84, something like that? Uh, I think it might have actually been 85. Oh, 85. Uh, because breweries... So just about... Yeah, the breweries launched first, and then they started uh, lobbying the legislature after they opened. And they, the first two opened in '84, and then the McMinimans decided they wanted to start brewing. Uh, they had opened in '83 uh, with the barley mill, which was just a pub at that time. Um, right. So, yeah, I think it was '85, maybe '86, but anyway. Yeah, and and we we arrived soon thereafter in the neighborhood in which their Hillsdale Brew Pub was, and um, they've. Uh, were fundamentally, uh, I think, set the template for what a brew pub was for the next 20 years. Uh, um, Even today, and, uh, I mean, uh, I was shocked when I was talking to the guys at Great Notion. Their mm -hmm. their model is the McMinimans. It's not Treehouse. They want to have and have begun slowly building a little empire of brew pubs, and they yeah. really the McMinimans. Um, it is it is a city that likes. Uh, likes pubs where you can get food uh and that all goes back to the mcminimums as you know i was about to say yeah in other parts of the country a lot of brew places just are tap houses or have a minimum who they always had full menu um and uh created this aesthetic of sort of a opening place friend family friendly lots of light so on uh and then the other thing they did apropos of going to the baghdad theater was they started uh buying up sort of derelict but historic uh, places and turning them into really cool <laughs> uh, venues. And we don't need to go into that because we think we've talked about it uh, uh, in the past, but old schools, old uh, poor houses on the countryside, uh, old churches. In this case, it was an old uh, big single screen movie theater built right. in the 1920s, I think, by Universal Studios that had, was about to go uh, the way of many of the others. And they completely restored it. They put it in there. The kitchen, they have beer, you can watch a movie, and um, it's great. One of the big old movie palaces that they made a century ago, uh, they say. Yeah, it. and they restored it so beautifully. I mean, it's amazing. It feels like it was just built. Um, so it's always fun. It's always fun to go there. Anyway, so I just thought I would mention that and say happy anniversary to the McMinnon brothers. That's right. Both, by the way, Oregon State University grads. So Oregon State University is very proud of them, even though they're very reclusive. They are super they elusive. Do. I have never I don't think they do too much. I've never met the two. I've tried to interview them, have not pulled it off. Uh, I think they don't know that blogs exist. 
my sense is they are very analog kind of guys. To be uh, fair, Jeff, I don't think anybody knows blahs exist. Well, or anything else. I mean, if I were, <laughs> you know, they know the Oregonian exists. So they gave Andre Mounier, uh, 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 you know, an exclusive because back in 83, the or the Oregonian existed, our local newspaper. So they give them the, the time of day, but I don't think they give anybody else the time of day. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so happy anniversary to those guys. They're going strong, by the way. They're still working on new places, opening up new places, buying up historical historic places, and they have this empire. I don't remember what it said. I don't, what it must be 60, 70, 80 places now, all throughout the Northwest and beyond. I'm shrugging. I have <laughs> so, no idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's pretty impressive. And and uh, they have quite a, quite a loyal following. They they do a passport where you can sort of check in at each of their many, many, many output posts. And I see those people carrying those things all the time when I go to their places. So when they launch that, uh, that could be a topic at some point for us to get into uh, these, these, you, cause you get perks, you know, it's like a little passport, but you show up and you tick it off and then they give you a discount or maybe you get, you can earn free beer and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I also thought it was going to be a total dud. Uh, when they were launched those now a decade or more ago, I can't remember when they launched a long time ago, but you're right. Yeah. They're, they're a big deal. When we were waiting for you to show up, we got a couple, we got to the theater a couple minutes earlier than you. And we saw people charging up with their passports. Sure enough. Yeah. Picked, so. I know people, totally people are really, uh, I really into it. I've been, I've been doing it where people are like very concerned that they get their passport stamped. And that was like the main order of business. Like, yeah, need my passport stamped. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we should uh, we should talk about what the pod is going to be today and what it's not because we're uh, pressed for time. We want to make sure uh, we stick to somewhat of a schedule. We're very proud of the fact that we've been back on a regular schedule, so it's it pains us to uh, to miss. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to do a deep dive into the mailbag because you all have been very generous with your uh, outreach and communication. Um, and uh, we thought this would be a good moment where we could just um, spend some time answering your questions, uh, hearing your thoughts, and um, get in a little sort of short-form pod before we're off. And then we have a concept where we might um, try to do some kind of uh, report from our various destinations, Maine and Oklahoma. And we're, we're, we're noodling on that, so stay tuned. Yeah, we may, the, the big concept there is we may do that on Zoom with Patrick in situ uh, in Vacation Land. So that'll be fun. Hanging out, hanging out in coastal Maine, drinking <laughs> Maine beer, which is just about paradise for me. That's right. You have a lot uh, of work to do. You have to you have to get busy. You have to bundle the family up and cart them off to all the different breweries so you can make a good report. So <laughs> pressure's on you, pal. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You might have to be satisfied with a couple. All right. Um, <laughs> but I can always collect collect beers as well. So That's that true. that I can do. I'm good. I'm good at collecting and drinking the beer. We should definitely um, you should definitely try to make it to Oxbow, the one on the coast, if you're anywhere near there, because that one's really a, a treat. Uh, well, I was planning on going there, but I was thinking of the one they have like a farmhouse place. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Or are you talking yeah, about their original oh, brewery okay. is the one on the coast. They have a tap room in Portland, but they their brewery is uh, I think it's in Newcastle. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't think it was coastal, but I. But anyway, we're talking about the same place. Yes, I have that. That I missed out last year, but now I have a whole whole outing is going to take me down. Um, uh, uh, well, back west, I guess, if you're really talking about Maine in Maine terms, back west down the coast, up the coast, uh, <laughs> back to Portland. So I'm um, hoping to hit Oxbow on the way um, or on the way back. Um, and uh the the place just uh, past uh portland that you and i discussed and now i'm blanking on the name mean beer co um it's got a very uh, elusive name oh well no i uh, sorry i that that sort of goes without saying that i'm going to to main beer co uh but i'm talking about uh sacred sacred and profane or yeah sacred and profane isn't that oh right what's called yep that's right that's uh brian new place biddeford uh in biddeford right which is uh Her, like, extremely authentic, I think mostly Czech-style brewery where she only does um, uh, lagers, and I think she decocks them, and she may not even make very many. So uh, <laughs> she's like, she was she was the brewer at, at Notch, who, of course, famously launched the Me Too movement a few week a few years ago. Um, but <laughs> but what it what's amusing to me is that. She departed Notch because Notch, uh, as everyone knows, is one of those four or five breweries in the country that is does super traditional lagers. Um, Notch mm-hmm. was way too, you know, free form and loosey goosey. She had to get back to basics and you know, <laughs> really, really buckle down and get get into proper lager making. So that'll be cool. Uh, you you should try to see that. So Oxbow Main Beer Company, Sacred Profane, and uh, maybe another, maybe Bizzle Brothers or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, my, cool. my itinerary. Yeah. yeah. And there's one right by where our, our place is called Strong Brewing. So I'll, I'm sure I'll stop in there at some point too. Definitely do it. Anyway, that'd be good. Stay tuned for that. And I'll All go, right, well, let's get oh, I'll go wherever Franz tells me and we can talk about Oklahoma, see what they got going on. Yeah, I'll be really interested to know. My guess uh, is that light lager is going to be a popular style there, given this weather. <laughs> it's going to be popular with me, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh exactly i was um out uh sorry before we <laughs> the mail back but just really quickly i was out at uh freem because i was up at the uh, lost lake doing some paddle boarding and coming back through good river went to freem and they had a nice um uh, and you'll you'll remind me the term the german term for the light beer uh they had a nice 3.5 percent lager that um that was uh delightful on the end of a nice hot day sitting on a hot patio right shank beer I think, that's how you, you. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it. It's a category. Stark beer is strong beer and shunk beer is weak. I don't know what the term means, but like uh, small beer. Yeah, well, that's what they called it, a shunk beer lager or whatever. And it was it was really tasty. You wouldn't have any idea that it was three and a half percent versus five percent or something. And and just perfect for sitting out on their delightful patio across from the park overlooking the river. Very nice. All right. Well, shall we get to the mailbag? Let's and do it. If, and if so... <laughs> And if so, what is your preference? Would you like to start? Uh, sure, I can start. We have we have a few of these, so we're both going to get to bomb into them. So fortunately, some of these refer back to past podcasts, and we can remind you as we go uh, what was going on. The first... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Just go back and, and listen to all 182 of them, and then come <laughs> back to this episode, and then you'll know. <laughs> uh, yes, that's, that's another possibility. Uh, so this first... Uh, letter comes from Lou Humphreys, and he's referring to a beer that we drank while we were doing our 
Belgium uh, podcast. So, or mm. from a, a, a brewery uh, that made this beer. So here we go. I just listened to the, listened to the Demise of Belgian Beer podcast. Very exciting for me that you had a Garden Path beer and enjoyed it. A little background on the beer. Flowered, that was the name of the beer, was the first uh, beer they made. Uh, it was made with wild yeast captured here in the Skagit Valley. Perhaps interestingly, this strain was caught by Jason Hansen, who moved on to Von Ebert. They have continued to brew exclusively with this yeast, except for their spontaneously brewed beers, which they make uh, using a stainless steel cheese-making tables as their cool shape. <laughs> nice. Actually, it seems just about perfect. I've seen those. They're wide and flat, so that makes sense. Yep. Uh, Garden Path beers are numbered in additions when rebrewed uh, re since the beer is never exactly the same. So your flowered would have had an addition number on it. And I we may have looked at that or may not, but that that uh, container is long gone. So who knows? Um, I think they're up to seven now. I personally think that the yeast has picked up some bread in the brew house, but don't know if Ron and Amber would agree. I remember the first flowered as less tart and more floral at any rate. Like the guys at Fair Isle, they are Jester King alums, uh, which of course rode the Belgian wave to the top. I wondered how they were doing with uh, the shift you and Patrick documented. And he refers there mm -hmm. to the shift away from uh, Belgian beers. And um, yeah, we, we already talked about that in general. So I don't know that we need to really repeat that. I will say that I know, I know that uh, Jester King, to use an example of a brewery that he mentioned, definitely makes a lot more IPAs now than they used to. So, uh, you know, we're, uh, and, and I know that um, uh, that Brett Brewery in Denver, which my name is now, I'm forgetting my, my name, the name, uh, the guy who did. For sure, process. you'll get no help from me because my yeah, brain is worse than yours, we established there. prior to the pod. <laughs> That's right. I'll I'll figure it out here in a minute. But um, it's another one that I know uh, started out as a bread brewery, and they also do a lot of IPAs. And um, seems like Portland has a little bit better luck with wild and spontaneous breweries sticking with it. The Guard still only does wild beer, but uh, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Garden Path is able to hang in there. Um, Sometimes it just depends on where you are and how much support you have. Yeah. If you're only it's getting rare and rare to see them in just your typical brew pub, though. And I mean, you get a kettle soured beer now and again, but right. Uh, I did see um, something recently. I don't know why I didn't. I must have been busy and I didn't go back to it. But um, crooked uh, stave. It it's crooked stave. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. There you go. I should have actually come up with that. Um, uh, I did see something about beer imports from different countries, and um, but the problem with that is that uh, in Belgium you don't know, you know that's all beer. So um, uh, it didn't look the 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 sort of decline in in imports of Belgian beer didn't look so bad. But I imagine that's driven a lot by macro and not by uh, Trappist ales, for example. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the Garden Path beer was lovely, so um, look for it near you. Yeah, it has distribution to Portland, which actually suggests something good for them. Yeah. Okay, next uh, mailbag. This, this starts a, a run of uh, a brought uh, emails that we got, so carry on. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't read these ahead of time, so these are all new to me. So Matt. From Chicago. This first part of his his post refers to another commenter who had traveled across the country and reported back about breweries he saw, and he criticized the Sierra Nevada brewery in Asheville. Take it away, Patrick. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you very much for providing the context because I don't know. Uh, John, that must have been the commentator. Shut your mouth. 
He says, Asheville's Sierra Nevada location is awesome. I went in August of 2021 as a part of a Smoky Mountains road trip. They had a spice stout and that year's Oktoberfest among unique beers on tap. The food at the restaurant was enjoyed by the whole family. The beer garden behind the brewery was gorgeous with lots of things to entertain like bags, bocce ball, and other outdoor games. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I we got to get to Asheville sometime, Jeff. Somebody's yep. got to Sierra Nevada. They should bring us out. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, they they should they should bring us out to set the record straight. Yeah, uh, we we'll get, get a an objective view out there, sober, <laughs> rational. Well, if they pay if they pay for it, I'll, I imagine what we'll say. Uh, <laughs> in in <hint. laughs> uh, Okay, he writes: spotted cow brats are a hard pass. You shouldn't boil that farmhouse beer flavor. Mm. I imagine it would give a sour old citrus taste to the brats. I recently made some with point lager and it was delicious. All right. So this is your, this is your, this is your, so let's just give a little context. I grew up essentially in Wisconsin and Madison uh, on bratwurst and uh, was uh, at some point in the Instagram, I described the proper technique of, of cooking brats and that is to boil it. Boil it, boil it in beer and onions first, and then a quick, quick turn on the grill. Uh, and we were discussing what kind of beer. And I've tried lots of different kinds of beer, and it's true. You'd be amazed at how much of the beer flavor uh, gets infused into the brat. And so I've tried it with like stouts and, and, and dark beers. Didn't prefer it. Uh, IPAs, I think, are a disaster. Uh, and light lagers tend to be the, um, uh, uh, the right beer. Um, and in fact, I just like a good mass market light lager, like uh, I did mine in, in Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah, the gold medal winning macro lager from our previous That's podcast. Right. That's right. The, the judgment at Lens. Well, uh, it continues. Uh, Joe Wagner from Iowa. So, uh, just to go back, so this is going to be ongoing. I think the podcast will have a, a regular feature on. Now we're brewing brats. Um, um, Browers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or a spinoff or the spinoff podcast. <laughs> Browers Vana. Right. Vana. Uh, Vana. Yeah, Matt, um, I believe lives in Chicago and he called out uh, Hawkeye. So I think he, he is originally maybe from Iowa. Our next post from uh, comment from Joe Wagner uh, is the original person you may remember who suggested putting the brats first and then putting them into beer and yes so this was uh this rocked my world exactly grill the brats quickly first and then boil them and then eat them after that sounds terrible but he it's yeah and apparently we were unflinching in our reaction but he writes i just wanted to defend myself after listening to the latest podcast i was the quote philistine on instagram who advocated (laughs) for browning your brats on the grill before putting putting them uh in, uh in the beer and onion mixture i know this is a total reverse from tradition but it's how i grew up in northern iowa i don't know oops sorry uh i don't know where my dad learned how to cook them that way but it's how he did it long as long as i can remember the result is a totally different flavor i bet it is uh, at least patrick had an open mind and seemed willing to describe it Smiley. yeah that's right yeah i'm all about experience man <laughs> Uh, anyway, I couldn't let my honor go, uh, go besmirched without responding. Despite the slander, I've enjoyed the podcast and your writing. Cheers. So good way to step up for, uh, Hawkeye pride. 
Patrick probably, I mean, <laughs> he, he's always I, very confident in his views, uh, but it doesn't actually reflect on his, his accuracy. So who knows? Well, I'll say, I'll we say that I had a, a, my, I have a, I have a son, he's 17. He's going to, going to be a senior in high school. And I realized the other day that he has no life skills, none. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't think would be, he would. That would be accurate for a 17 year old boy. Yeah, but it's particularly accurate for him. My older son had many more life skills at this point, but I'd sort of been, you know, I think a younger son maybe kind of rides the coattails. And and I just woke up one day realizing that there's nothing he can do, like absolutely nothing he could do for himself. He would just shrivel into a raisin and die. Uh, so I understood that the number one task was to teach him how to cook bratwurst. That's so right. I was going I was going to try Joe's technique, but this was a very important teaching moment. And so I... Uh, uh, we got out the Paps Blue Ribbon, we got the onion, we got the brats, and I had to teach him the way I knew uh, from Wisconsin, by the way, which, you know, no offense to, well, yes, offense to people from Iowa and Illinois, but I don't want to hear shit about bratwurst from you guys. No, Joe, I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> Joe. Uh, if you want to know a bratwurst, you come to Wisconsin and find out. So uh, so I taught him the right way. Uh, I do want to try Joe's technique. It just wasn't the moment I made, had to make sure that he wasn't, my son wasn't confused because he is 17 and easily distractible and confused. So um had to teach him the right way. The next time though, Joe, I will, I will try it. After our, our, various, you. after our various expeditions, we'll have to get together and have a barbecue and we can try the, the, the Joe slash Northern Iowa technique. And uh, yeah, we can do it both ways. We'll do it both ways. We'll see one batch, one way, one batch, the other, and we'll have the great judgment of, so would and <laughs> that's right we can we, we can do triangle tastes we can bring the ladies in see if they can detect the difference which they prefer yeah we'll do a blind we'll do a blind tasting <laughs> <laughs> it'll be all right we'll, we'll figure it out we'll settle this once and for all but uh but i'm intrigued joe i am intrigued um i don't think anything good comes from iowa but um nonetheless i will give it a try <laughs> matt van white came from iowa so something good comes from iowa oh yeah the uh song um guru uh partner at Ailson. that's right very good at bringing beer that's right uh, okay uh, james mcdonnell uh writes uh james mcdonnell who was inspired to write in following the news of skagit malt's demise yeah r.i.p skagit malt he writes one thing might be worth getting patrick's thoughts on is how often these small businesses including breweries survive only because the owner manager is dramatically undercompensated for his or her labor which works for a while, although it might be very hard on the owner, but it means that when it comes time to sell, there's not actually a viable business there that anyone would want to buy. In parentheses, of course, sometimes the sweat equity ends up getting the business off the ground and there's a happy ending. The owner might earn a terrible salary or the owner, despite earning a decent salary, might not actually be able to find a replacement at the same salary due to the deep specialized knowledge. Either way, the business doesn't work in other hands and there's no easy exit. I'm not saying that that Seth situation, who knows? So yeah, Seth, um, uh, I should add, a, I should have added there. Seth is, was the owner of uh, Mecca grade malt, which is now on the block. So mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, a news flash came out recently. There's a local brewery in my neighborhood called unicorn brewing. It's a sort of a, a hybrid. It's yeah. a brew. It's a homebrew store. You it's will remember, little, doddering old man. We had Zach on the pod. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, <laughs> it's a, it's a you brew place. You can go and brew beer there. You on their equipment, and they also brew their own beer, which they sell at a pub 
the pub and some and they get some kegs out around town as well but uh zach we've had on the pod looked for it um uh has been the owner i think this uh, i imagine probably relates somewhat to him i think he's put a lot of blood sweat and tears into it um but decided to get to exit the business and he's been unable to find a buyer and so it's all shutting down they're liquidating everything and um um and the business will be no more so i i i think it's 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 true there are ways you can keep businesses afloat through just uh superhuman effort and um pinching pennies and things but that's not the kind of business that's easily handed over to to, to somebody else and he bought the business from uh two other people i don't know what the status was at that point but they were ready to, to move on as well so um i feel for uh, i feel for zach and i feel for people in that situation because um sometimes despite your best best efforts it's not enough and um uh and then outside buyers just aren't aren't um aren't prepared to put in that kind of sacrifice do you have a sense uh apropos of the question how many startup businesses are are in this boat where you're you're basically going uncompensated and working all the time and trying to get it to solvency uh and then either you do and it's a happy ending or you don't and it closes is that yeah i mean i don't i don't have a lot of data but that's a very common theme for a lot of new businesses and the one thing i can say that in the united states at least and i think this is not uncommon in other parts of the world particularly in the united states where there's a lot of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit and risk uh the death rate of new businesses is extremely high like um you tend to to know about the ones that survive and last those are the ones that are in your mind and so you i think it's easy to sort of discount how often it is that new businesses fail um and this is these these aren't necessarily new new businesses but um it's hard uh, and we've just seen a really difficult business period as well but so um yeah it's a common story and uh and and um, failure is is common as well and so sort of, i think the typical takeaway is don't be daunted by failure because the next one might work yeah and uh to add a beer note to that despite the fact that beer and beer adjacent uh, businesses have been closing in greater numbers than they have in the past breweries still way way perform better than than regular firms in the united states in terms of closure rates uh you know when you look at the the like the five-year closure rate breweries are tremendous compared to an average business so even when they do close uh you know we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that that it's still a pretty good business people still like beer yeah yeah and in zach's case this is a very particular uh little business that's got lots of little moving parts and the brewery is a very um i'm trying not to say anything pejorative because i don't mean it in a pejorative way I mean, but it's this tiny little system in the basement very uh i think he said on the pod that it's very finicky and you really have to know what you're doing and it's not it's not like a turnkey operation where someone just pops in and says yeah i'm going to be an, a big brewer it's a really complicated thing and it takes a special person i think to do yeah. that yeah. um sure. and then in terms of the in terms of the craft malt malting i think it's um it's a very niche market and uh you have to have and, and i my sense i probably said this on the pod a number of times so apologies for uh for repeating myself but my sense is in this time where there's extreme price inflation and brewers are trying very hard to keep a lid on costs because they can't raise prices too much that something like a very expensive specialty malt is the kind of thing that would go and um you just uh substitute uh something cheaper totally 
So I think it's just a rough, a rough moment for these people, but also one in which that's not clear that any new person could take in and make a big success out of it. Right. And I think, I, I think sometimes a brewery will close or a business will close and we'll consider that a failure. Uh, but sometimes things live the amount of time they need to live and then they go away. And my sense is with Unicorn, uh, Portland Uber and Unicorn, um, it was a great business and Zach worked really hard, but he enjoyed it. Uh, his life situation changed and he's doing some, he wanted yeah. to do something else and couldn't sell it, which is not ideal. But um, it, I, you know, I'm reluctant to <laughs> characterize any business, any brewery closure as a failure. So uh, that's another point there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I know it's like you have a brewery for whatever, 10 years or something, however that's been along 10, 15 years. You yeah. Know, that's a success in many. Yeah. We, we changed metrics. We change jobs all the time and we don't consider them failures. So if you close a brewery, it's not necessarily a failure. Okay. Should we go on? Yes. Uh, Margie Gator, who is a uh, kind of a long time commenter. She lives in Half Moon Bay, South of the Bay area or South of San Francisco. Um, mm -hmm. For the past month or so, uh, since, uh, maybe since the consolidation news broke, I've been seeing online ads from Anchor for 10% off brewery tours. Coincidence? Are they trying to <laughs> really reach out to locals? Not sure. That is interesting. That used to be really a really hard tour to get. Um, uh. The mailbag discussion about Belgian beers during, uh, uh, during the mailbag section sparked a random thought. Would New Belgium be in a similar position as Anchor needing to consolidate national distribution to uh, local distribution if it hadn't developed and expanded the Voodoo Ranger line. How do larger craft breweries with wide distribution stay relevant? <laughs> the, the a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've addressed it a number of times on the pod, this what, what I call these legacy craft brewers, the big one, the ones that got big. Um, so New Belgium's one, Sierra Nevada's another, Deschutes in our, in our state is... Uh, uh, another Elysian up in Washington. There's a bunch of these sort of um, big legacy brewers that have really struggled to stay relevant as the landscape has changed and as lots of new, the new cool kids on the block keep coming along and selling their beer. And um, uh, uh, My first take is yes. I think Voodoo Ranger basically has kept Sierra Nevada, I mean, uh, sorry, New Belgium afloat as a national brand, um, essentially. <laughs> Totally. I mean, I think there's no doubt. It's 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 one of the few uh, really big success stories in terms of beer that has regional, you know, large regional or national distribution. Um, we're seeing all the breweries that got pretty big based on, particularly based on a particular beer. Uh, so Sierra Nevada uh, with Pale had to figure out Hazy Little Thing. You could easily ask mm -hmm. this question about where Sierra would be without Hazy Little Thing. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we saw other breweries that didn't pull it off. Uh, Ballast Point was making a push with Sculpin, and then that all collapsed, <laughs> despite the fact that they had a lot of uh, heft. Um, and uh, Dogfish Head got absorbed. So this is a this is a kind of a big challenge uh, for breweries that have old flagships and haven't figured out what that next phase will be, which basically means rebranding the brewery away from what you know what you were doing before and i mean we here in, in oregon we always patrick and i always talk about the shoots probably too much but they're a perfect example of a brewery that was doing a pretty good job of backstopping their core 
their core line with with new brewery uh, with new beers uh, up through fresh squeezed IPA. But since fresh squeezed, they haven't really found the thing that's going to go, and they have not turned that into the same kind of line that Voodoo is or that Hazy Little Thing is, and they've suffered as as a consequence. So yeah, I think any any big brewery that it has national or you know large regional distribution is going to be in in dire straits if they don't figure out something that's going to make the sales hum. Yeah, and 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 the kicker with bigger breweries like uh, New Belgium and Deschutes and Sierra Nevada is that this new thing that comes along that some gains traction uh, has to sell a lot. I mean, they're big brewers. They're brewing in huge batches. So it's not just like I can have, a, oh yeah, this one's sort of catching catching the zeitgeist, but it's a small part. I mean, they need something that's going to sell a lot of, of beer. And that's a really tricky, a tricky thing to pull off. All of these breweries are exceptional, have exceptional brewers. They could brew an exceptional style and what you name it. Um, they can all brew a kick-ass IPA, for example. And so it's like what what causes Voodoo Ranger to catch on um, and become this sort of big thing? I don't know. Partly it's branding, partly it's cool name, partly it's good beer. It's um it's so tricky. And I know we know firsthand that the, that the people who run these breweries are just uh, you know pulling their hair hair out trying to figure out how to how to meet the market where it is. Yeah, you look at it, and I think every in every single case, uh, you could add 805 for Firestone Walker. The breweries yeah. that have succeeded up to this point have found a subsequent, you know, the big the big breweries have found a subsequent product that really took off. And I think in almost every case, uh, maybe Voodoo Ranger is the exception, but maybe not. Um, they were one in you know, one of one of many things the breweries were trying and they were really hoping <laughs> that something would stick. And in, in every case, we're talking about these breweries because something did stick. And, uh, you know, if 805 hadn't taken off, I don't know what would have happened with Firestone. Um, they're doing mm -hmm. fine with Mind Haze, but it's still really an 805 brewery. And Sierra, actually, uh, Pale continues to sell remarkably well, given what it is. But uh, yeah, but, but hazy little thing is the big seller. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's challenging. I, if I, if I owned one of those breweries, I'd be waking up in the middle of the night panicking, like I have to sell millions of gallons of this beer. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the rub, right? Like if I'm a, just a little craft brewer, sure. I can brew a little batch, you know, a few kegs of one beer and see, and if people like it, I'll brew a few more. And then if more, I'll brew a few. It's just not that way for these big brewers now. And, um, it's a lot of cost to develop brand bottle package whatever a new a new beer it's got to sell a lot um yeah it's a it's that tricky that tricky moment the one thing they have going for them of course is scale so um they can be pretty competitive price wise um which i think is one way that hazy little thing really found a niche it was a it was priced competitively and um a very good beer from and respected channel. brewery and Channels really help too. If you already are a large company like uh, New Belgium was when it was selling a lot of fat tire, you're already yeah. in a lot of uh, channels. So when you plug in a new brew, a new beer, you're going to find that beer in the hands of a lot of beer drinkers. So if it takes off, yep. it, it's good. If it, but, but we've seen many examples of, of it flopping and then, you know, then you're back to square one. So. Yeah. And I think craft beer drinkers, as we've mentioned many, many times are, um, uh, promiscuous and they're always yep. looking for the newest latest something different some new brewery you know it's just nature of, of humans uh, to want variety 
All right, we got one more. I think it's yours. All right, uh, this comes from Scott uh, Scott Delone from Pennsylvania. Another he writes commenter. Sorry. Thank you, Another oh, previous yes. commenter. Yeah, thank you all very much. Uh, all all the good friends of the pod. Uh, listening to the latest pod on uh, Pliny, uh, great pod by the way. And it is indeed Pennsylvania that is the East Coast state that gets it. Aha, uh-huh, very good, Jeff. Many bars in the area will get younger on tap when it comes out, and some have uh, Pliny the Elder somewhat regularly. Monk's Cafe in Philly is the king, though. They almost always have Pliny the Elder on tap, and when younger is released each year, they tap a keg each day for a week. We are very lucky to have it, and I think we have Tom Peters, owners of Monk, Monk's, to thank. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, I think that's, um, uh, I suspect that's probably true. Uh, these kinds of relationships early on uh, are valuable. And um, once you, once you make, make establish that connection, then you become sort of the outlet. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's most interesting to me is the power of a single pub and how, how revolutionary it can be in city. <laughs> Uh, Monks yeah. is one of those famous brewery, famous places in in Philly, and uh, we have the Horse Brass in Portland. And you probably have that. You know, it closed, and it was such a big deal. But there was Falling Rock in, in Denver. There are these mm-hmm. these places that that don't necessarily sell like all the beer in the city or anything, but um, they become such an important beachhead for the communication of craft culture that they just become stalwarts. And if they've supported breweries since the since the get-go breweries try to support them so you see these tendrils and um they're really it's kind of an unnoticed factor particularly in the craft beer side but um a really important one and it would it would be interesting to hear as a as a teaser to provoke you to keep the mailbag full in your region uh in your towns do you know of a local brewery like that that's been around forever and been the champion uh which which yeah what's that Local pub, you mean? Yep, local pub. What did I say? Did I say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, local pub that you know is is kind of foundational to the craft culture in your city. I'd love to hear about those. I love I love good bars. They're some of my favorites. So let us know about your cool bars. Yeah, and 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 smaller craft brewing um, is very relational. There's uh, a lot of strong ties. I think they're very valued. And so when you make a tie, when there's a, somebody who's championing your beer in Philadelphia, then you're not going to forget that. And um, you make sure that that of all people, that person's going to get a bunch of your beer if you've got one that people want. So uh, it's sort of a mind scratching each other's back, but I think it's also just, um, you know, interpersonal relationships, building those, building and, and, and sustaining those ties is, is an important part of the business. Totally. Because the other thing about beer is, as we've talked about, it's experience good, right? Like, I don't know that I want Pliny the Elder until Monks puts it on tap and says, hey, you really got to try this, right? That's uh, right. And, and Monks so puts on people. stuff that you, that they, Monks then becomes the, the they vouch. They're, they're your friend, you know, that says, mm-hmm. you can trust this beer. We're not yeah. going to. And so that's, that you know, the publicans and the bartenders and stuff, they're the people who, who are out there in the front line. Um, promoting and selling your beer and, and building and building your market. So it's really, really important to, to establish relationships. And that's what we hear a lot from brewers is how the distributors are in between that. And sometimes they get frustrated because they'd like to go out and just sort of talk to people directly. 
And so the self-distributors in Oregon, the people who bring their own beer to the pubs, that's one of the things I think they value is they can bring their beer and they can talk about it to the pub publican. And then when the publican talks about it to the customer, they're they're all on the same page and, and inclined to and inclined to push your beer. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so kudos, Jeff. Up. You got Pennsylvania right. That was that was pretty impressive. Was that me? I thought you said that. Did I? I think okay. So. Congratulations to me. I would have no idea. How could I have said that? I don't have. A I don't know. Maybe. Point. Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is. I don't this remember is with old men. Yeah. Exactly. Old men with old minds. Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry to all the youngs out there. All I can say is it's coming for you. Uh, yeah. This, this is in essence. But. All right. Well, well, that ends our mailbag today. And I would like to spend this moment to encourage people to reach out. Uh, we have many ways in which you can reach uh, out to us and contribute to your to our mailbag. But the very best way is to uh, uh, email them to Jeff. Uh, at the following address, jeff at beervanablog.com. But we have Instagram, we have a Twitter, beervanapod, both of them, very cleverly named beervanapod. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to do a threads, but I got tired and stopped because that seemed more at work than uh, the 10 seconds I had. Um, and who knows? Yeah. I don't know if you can, we both have the beervanapod as our secondary one. And I don't know how you do it as your secondary one, because when I went into, I did start a threads and it just said, Jeff Allworth, Jeff dot was my primary. Yeah, I, had, I had precisely the same problem, which is how do I add a second account? Yeah. It didn't seem to allow that right now. Maybe threads will come along. So forget the threads, go to Instagram uh, where we have lots of cool stuff. Uh, I'm sure Jeff uh, is the same way. I'll try to remember to post lots of, um, uh, gorgeous beer horn <laughs> from Maine. Yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll, do, beer shots. I'll, I'll be on the Oklahoma front. So uh, by the time you hear this, we'll, we'll already probably be gone. But anyway, hope you check that out and uh, go, go. you know, those things are evergreen. So go have a look. By the way, before the next spot, if you have any recommendations for Jeff or I, uh, uh, Jeff or me, excuse me, uh, uh, send them along and we'll... Um, We'll see what we can do to uh, to check them out. Yeah, um, I'm leaving for Oklahoma tomorrow, so don't tell me about Oklahoma stuff. But you'll you, no. you may still be in. I'll uh, still be there. By the time you hear this, I'll still be in Maine, and I'll still have a chance. There's still yeah. a chance. There's always a chance. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, a few words going out. Please subscribe to us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's changed. It has. What happened to Stitch? What happened to Stitcher, man? Stitcher went belly up. Oh, it's gone. How long ago? How long uh, ago? It just just happened. Oh, okay. Wow, you're on top of things, Jeff. Excellent. Your friendly neighborhood scriptwriter got it got it switched out there though. I, I the cadence. I didn't want to mess you up with the cadence. There has to be four names. Your right? your fingers on the pulse of social media, man. Uh, when you listen to our podcast, please don't forget to rate us five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. As I mentioned, I already talked about where you can reach out, Jeff at beervonablog.com or on Twitter, Instagram at beervonapod. But Jeff also blogs at the Beervana blog. Check it out. Lots of good stuff there, I've been told. Uh, <laughs> tweets at Beervana. And Patrick uh, tweets at Beeronomics sometimes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, once in a while. I keep it, I keep it alive. <laughs> and ignore threads. That's what I'm doing. 
Yeah, Threads, uh, I was all uh, excited for it. And now my timeline's all just full of crap and I can't figure out how to stop it. Yeah. Let, let's not uh, let's get into the whole Threads thing. I hate Threads, but yeah. If you, if you, all right. If so we're not on Threads. Don't go Threads. Not on Threads yet, but but uh, we are on Instagram. And so go there or Twitter if you like. All right. Well, uh, we have no beer. We didn't drink any beer. That's sad. That's the only point. The only reason we do the pod. So this was a pointless pod. Uh, we didn't get an excuse to drink beer. But I'll say cheers to you anyway, Jeff, and safe travels. All right. Cheers, Patrick, and safe travels to you too. I guess I should say yeehaw. Whatever appropriate for Oklahoma. Yeah, sure. <laughs>